We'll continue today the series on Exodus. Uh, we'll begin, we'll cover all of chapter 19 today. The title of the sermon is Our God Speaks. And then next week we will begin our jaunt through the Ten Commandments. And we'll take one week to each commandment. Pastor Alex and I uh, will be moving through that as we do every other series. Before I read the text, I kind of want to give you a couple of uh, very important prayer requests. Tammy Ford, this week began, this past week, her procedures um, to hopefully deal with her cancer. And here's the good news so far. When this was first reported to them, she had only a 20% chance of life expectancy. Um, as she's already undergone some of these procedures, uh, the doctors have moved the needle and they think she has an 80% survival rate. Now, um, what she's enduring is exhausting. It's exhausting on any um, person. So it's going to be ongoing, and then it will be followed up with a final surgery. So just remember, Tammy, uh, I can tell you this, her spirit is strong. She came to me and Alex and just requested prayer for Tim, that God will uphold him. She's ready to go if that's what God had. I mean, it was, it was powerful. Uh, there's one more prayer request of, of a serious nature. It's for Tim Smith. Tim Smith, hopefully over the next of a couple of weeks, will undergo some very serious procedures. Each procedure can only take place until the success of the preceding procedure. So this first procedure that I believe is going to come up in a week, maybe 10 days, um, if it's unsuccessful, they have to wait. It has to go in sequential order. And so this is going to be an ongoing battle to which Tim Smith, as well, whose faith is strong. I mentioned a few weeks ago, Tim is the only lifer in this church. 62 years old. We're, we've known each other since we were 16. He's the only full lifer. But he told me, he, re he requested and he coveted that people pray for him. And um, at the same time that um, you would respect his privacy, there's you know, no reason to reach out or, um, and I'll be honest, I'm like that too. If, if I'm ill to any degree, the only one I want around me is Val, because <laughs> she'll baby me. But just pray for them, right? Pray for Tammy Ford. Pray for Tim Smith. Pray regularly. 
When they come to mind, pray for them. Exodus chapter 19. Scripture says this. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. And be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up to the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, and they shall come up to the mountain, so Moses went down from the mountain to the people, and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there will be thunders and lightnings, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people of the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it 
in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look up, and many of them perish. And let the priest who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, and lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourselves warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Let's bow our heads to pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this service. Thank You for all that has gone on. Pray for these sweet professions of faith, these steps of obedience. Your love, Lord Jesus, for them because You died for them. And You rose from the dead that they would live forever. And we say that with full assurance because that's what your word says and your word is true. Pray for our church, Lord. Give them ears to hear this message on our God speaks. Unite us together in faith. Help us to walk in love and unity with one another. Lord, and Lastly, as we turn our attention to the text, give life by your Holy Spirit to those who are wrestling with the gospel. May they see the dangerous air of their way, repent of their sin, trust in Christ alone to save them. In the Son's name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Three weeks ago, our elders stood on this stage collectively together and committed to the congregation of a consistent preaching of the gospel from this pulpit every week and down into the classrooms and everything that we give leadership to. This will become our annual commitment. And so we began it. And I want to begin this today uh, with this text because Genesis speaks about God as our creator. Exodus speaks about God is holy. Amen. Holiness is the theme of Exodus. And, and church, we need you. We need you. 
We need you not to be laissez-faire about your own Christianity. We need you to take the Word of God and to love it and to cherish it and not just keep it within these walls, but to grow by it and to mature in it and to let it correct you whatever the Spirit takes that because the Spirit can go ways way past what Pastor Alex or I or anybody else is preaching. That's always going on. The presence of Christ here is uniquely with us, gathered as we obey Him, and He searches the hearts and minds of individuals. And so we need you. We need you to pay attention. We need you to give ears to what's being said every week. That's your responsibility. And then to grow by that responsibility, and then to go out and to live as God has called you to live. We want our orthodoxy to become orthoproxy. For without it, the effectiveness of us as a church will suffer. So I want to address some personal things that have to do with our own congregation before I dive into this text. Because at the essence of this text, from verse 7 to 25, is God is holy. God's holy. And He's to be revered as holy. I'm going to kind of do this like this for those of you that are familiar with 1 Corinthians. Paul addressed that church that we know was totally messed up. And he said, I have heard from the house of Chloe. He didn't state any specific name because there was too much just as there's been too much that has come particularly to Pastor Alex and I, that this needs to be addressed. And this needs to be addressed generically. And so if the shoe fits, wear it. Receive it as the Word of God and repent of your sin and get your mind and heart right because if you don't, you do damage to us. Now, if I could get you in a headlock and make you repent, I certainly would do it. But I can't. So I won't. But God is holy. We've had a woman amongst us that's been stealing for over two decades. She gains trust of unsuspecting women and then she steals from them. And it continues to go on. I want that person to know this morning that if you are caught with witness, we will prosecute you to the police. Because this has been an ongoing problem. Now, ladies, watch your pocketbooks. Be wise to this. Most of these Admonitions, in fact, nearly to a T, even though if it's you and you're younger, you, you apply this, have to do with older women. I've never been in a church in my life, and I'm 62 years old, that women didn't lead the way. But that's not the case here. So I'm going to say this, and I'm saying this because I love you genuinely do love you. 
Um, and because I care about you, and I certainly care about the direction of the church because harm comes to the gospel, right? Harm comes to the gospel if we fail to confront willful sin. So for all of you that are gossiping women, we have our share because it has come to us from the house of Chloe. Do not approach myself, Pastor Alex, or any elder with thus and such said, or so and so with no name attached. It is ungodly. There is a prescription that's pretty clear in Matthew 18. And oftentimes we have been approached by women who had no idea what they were talking about. So use some judgment and discernment, not of your own self, but of God when you do that. And in so doing, if you're trying to pass information along, you make sure you obey Jesus. Because we're going to obey Jesus and it's not what your household does. It's what the household of God does. For you men, if these women so be married, you know your wife is gossiping. Don't curl up on the couch, stare into the television or the painting that's on the wall in fear. You bring correction to them. Why? Because you love them. And all of God's people said, Amen. yeah, there we go. The drama, the acting sophomoric women one with another, one another, the pitting and the dividing, the narcissistic nature of all of it is not acceptable. So, if you're one who's hearing it, and you say, well, I'm not saying it, and you stand there and do nothing about it to correct it, you are what the law calls an accomplice. And if you love these dear friends who are gossipers, well then, by God's grace, love them enough to confront them. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen Brother Kevin. Amen. Amen. Because God is holy. God's holy. Right? And so, gossip, which is hillbilly sport, and I can say that because I'm a hillbilly, is not acceptable. It destroys and divides and devours. And I'd like to tell you this, that maybe this was from the younger folk, but you know what? I don't have a moment's notice out of anybody 20s and 30s in here. They're loving Jesus. They're sharing Jesus. They're, they're with people in Jesus. And we got some weak men that won't confront their wives. And unfortunately, we're going to have to if this don't get straightened out. We will do so unapologetically. Why? Because we care. And it doesn't matter to me at this point if, husband, you understand it or not, quit yourself like men. That's what Paul told 
in the good old king's language in the book of Corinthians. Don't be weak. There's no place for weak men. And everything in our society is attacking you to be feminine and weak. If you don't think that's true, walk into a Starbucks. So, I want to couple this with one last thing. We have a number of young lambs, newborns to Christ, unfamiliar to Christianity, but they've been here long enough, and man, God has saved them powerfully in unique ways. But understand this, like physically growing up, they're infants. They're to be cared for and nourished and loved. And I don't want any of these hags getting on their ear and affecting them. And yes, that happened here 25 years ago. 25 years ago, when we confronted a woman on a newly converted woman, and they were going to eat afterwards, and she was practicing roast preacher. And it doesn't matter that it's roast preacher. It could be roast congregant. And this young lamb was devastated and come running to our office. To make a long story short, we went right into her home. She had a heart problem. And the gentleman that I went with that day, I let them know, listen, she's got a heart problem. This might keel her over right in the room, but we're confronting her. Because it doesn't matter if you've got mental issues. It doesn't matter what you have. Sin is sin. And that's the way we're going to deal with it, right? He's not a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist. We're pastors. But I'll be dadgum if we're not going to pay attention to what the Bible says. Because we have a society that is pushing weak men everywhere. So to this last end, for those who are young in the faith, man, you're, you're enduring and you're learning everything. But for some of you, and we've had way too many of this, way too many of this, who are struggling with the Trinity, stop today. People who have been saved for X amount of years, many years, and they're getting internet smart. Oh me. Did you go on the internet? <laughs> Let's get it right. You know, let me tell you why. You know what you're dabbling in? You're dabbling in things, first of all, you don't understand. Our documents are clear on our statement of faith. We read the Nicene Creed. We have a Trinity Sunday and have been celebrating it for 10 years. I would understand this for a young lamb. I have no sympathy for it. Whoever you are, man or woman. Because we're not going to let a seed of heresy sprout its head up here. From oneness Pentecostalism. From people who think they know and they don't know their hind end from a hole in the ground. Just read Ephesians chapter 4. I don't have time to go there because I've got to get going here. Where God gave pastors to the church. Uniquely called of God. No, we're just like you. We're not apostles. But we're given a charge. And by God's grace, if we have an elder who won't do the charge, 
get off the board. <laughs> Just get off the board. Thank God we, we don't have that. Boy, we struggled with that some in the history here. You know what God did? He circumcised it. He just took a big knife and carved it right out of here. And then he began to give us tender lambs from everywhere. Came from Wisconsin. <laughs> Came everywhere to us. Beautiful, beautiful congregants. Listen, we're not playing with the Bible. Not playing with it. We take this dead seriously. And here's the reason why. God's holy. God's holy. Okay, as we transition. Exodus chapter 19 tells us that we're at the doorstep of when God will give His people His law. When we get to Exodus chapter 19, Moses undoubtedly is remembering what God had told him at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. That Moses, you're going to go, you're going to go to Pharaoh, you're going to do exactly what I asked you to do, and then I'm going to bring you back. And so that's where they're at. They're at the foot of the mountain in Exodus chapter uh, 19. The location of the setting of the place is given, and in, in, in the time of the setting is given in those first two verses. And what it is telling us is our God is about to speak. And He's going to be clear. And it's very sobering. If you didn't catch it when we were just reading the passage, you'll undoubtedly understand it by the end of this message. Our God that speaks, who to this time has only brought the spoken word, now it will become the written Word of God, the penning of the Ten Commandments. Glory. It is a remarkable moment in history. The world, friends, is about to change. The closest thing I've ever been to that was at Pearl Harbor and looking over that mountain when those planes came over that and bombed Pearl Harbor. The world changed that day. Man, this is way bigger than that. Because God's going to hand down His Mosaic Covenant. More of the story of redemption is going to unfold. It's a remarkable moment in history. Sobering passage. And so here's the thing. What will God say? What will God say? There are two things that God's going to say here. The first six verses are the glory of God is revealed. There's two movements here. The glory of God is revealed. And then in verses 7 through 25, the holiness of God is realized. And so, in a writing way, more time is devoted to the holiness of God, and we'll certainly get to that in a moment. But this is where we find ourselves. Moses, who is going to be the mediator of the Old Covenant, just as, you know what a mediator is, he goes between God and man, God and humanity, Jesus is our mediator. Amen. Glory. Because Moses will fail, just as all the rest of the people will fail in failing the Ten Commandments. Now let's turn our attention to the glory 
of God revealed. As I mentioned, the setting is set here in the first couple of verses. And then the scripture tells us in verse 3 that Moses goes up to God. Okay, he's going to ascend up Mount Sinai. And once again, Moses is going to be before God and God is about to speak. Wow. We get a lot of stuff out there today about people saying they've heard God audibly. Little boy goes to heaven, you know, and I don't know what all he saw or whatever. I've always thought it was ironic that everybody who said they've gone to heaven today didn't want to slit their throats. Because that's what Isaiah said. He was so afraid. This text gets a description that's terrifying. And it's terrifying because the Lord intended it to be terrifying. You say, well, why? Why would God make something so terrifying? He wants us to know that He's holy. He's not your buddy. He's to be revered. Some of you playing around with the gospel think you got all your life. No, you don't. I don't know what it was in Luke Sr. Your five or more were killed, died. You've got no promise of tomorrow. I remember like 12 or 13, I thought I was dying that night and going to hell. I did. And I'm glad God led me to that point in terror because He then used it to convert me. While the gospel is not only terror, and Lord knows, don't talk about holiness and hell and damnation today. We all know the people won't want to listen to it. <laughs> As if those very things, God's law, is what will convict a person to lead them to the beauty of the gospel. Our God speaks as Moses goes up. Here's what's unique about it in verse 3 through 6. I want you to call your attention to this. Look at, look at verse 3. God says to Moses, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. Bless you. Watch this. Okay? There's two million people that are here now. Right? Right? God doesn't go, whoa, Moses, you've done a good job. You've got two million. We've got an army now with us. No. He says, you tell those people they came from Jacob. Jacob's a deceiver. Little liar. Liar person. <laughs> people stealing and lying. You're going to get caught. You better repent. I'm about that close to naming about seven people. Not doing it. Not doing it. Because there will be time enough for that if they don't repent. Better get your heart right. God says, I built a people out of a deceiver. A guy who stole his brother's birthright. And of course his silly brother Esau so disregarded the gospel of his of his, of his parents that, pff, I don't care, give me the vegetable soup. God. 
He tells Moses to go tell the people that's where they came from. I'm the one that's created them. They are my people, Israel. He tells them here, as you look at the text, He says, verse 4, You yourselves have seen it. They witnessed it. They saw it. What I did. Not some powerful army. The Lord says, I did it. Egypt's the most powerful army in the world. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to humble them suckers. You go up there, and when they're asking, and that Pharaoh, that haughty, arrogant king, wants to know, who are you? You tell him, I am. I am brought me here. And that's all you need to know. You know what's unique about the Bible? God's not overly defined. He says He is. And we better obey Him. Period. End of sentence. Who do you think's going to the judgment and saying, Well, God. You know, God. I didn't have this or that. Or this or that. You know what Romans 1 says on the day of judgment? Every human being that's ever lived is without excuse. Zero. So it won't be, oh God, it's going to be, oh me. God says, I defeated Egypt. And I did so on eagle's wings. That eagle, the bird of prey and the bird of rescue. God says here, I saved this people. I brought them to Myself. It's the first stages of what we know to be biblical adoption. Aren't you glad that God adopted you by Jesus? Me and I am. Whew. Lord, I, should, I deserve hell. I know that. But the Lord preyed on this world power, Egypt, and as a result, they were humbled and He rescued Israel. And so now He's got them there in, in, in the glory of the Lord. What God is doing here, the glory of, the, of God being revealed is in revealed in the person of Jesus that God would so save any of us because none of us are worthy. That's why legalism is pathetic. <laughs> to look down your nose at anyone else as if you're wearing the right clothes or you're doing all the right stuff. Come on, give us a break. Spare us. Pharisee. Fer spare us. Ask God to reveal to you the glory of Jesus. And here's what that does. It's a recognition of the holiness of God. My desperate wickedness and the beauty of the gospel that God so loved me that he saved me. <laughs> he says, keep my covenant. This is what we're going to go into. The Decalogue. Known as the Ten Words. Well, just a little note about that. There's only one human being that ever walked the face of the earth that kept all the Ten Commandments. You got it. That's right, it's Jesus. Because Jesus is the true Israel the true Israel, who was always faithful to his God, 
who never stole from anybody, who never gossiped about anyone, who didn't pit and divide, who never doubted the Holy Spirit and never doubted God the Father, our God one in three distinct persons. And all of God's people said, what? There we go. We're getting it. We're getting it. Let's get it. So we can move on. So that we can actually help some people who are wrestling with the gospel that needs your mouth to open to them. Because the gospel is words. Because your life, like my life, sucks. He says, this beautiful God, you are my treasured possession. As if God doesn't have emotion. He calls Israel his treasured possession. And I could have picked of any people, but I picked you. I elected you. Jesus would tell his disciples, I chose you. You did not choose me First, get it right. That ain't Calvinism. That's Bibleism. It isn't even Pauline. It's Old Testament. Beginning to end. Woo-wee. I want to stay here a little while, folks. Let's park. Here we go. He says, this, this great, glorious God of ours who is revealing how he gloriously saved Israel, lets him know that, hey, Moses, all of the earth is mine. I'm not sending my son to reign on it for a thousand years. No, it's his now. As he comes storming out the third day. It was said four times in this text. The third day, Jesus comes storming out in the resurrection and He let everybody know a revolution has arrived. And there's people all across the globe this morning that are worshiping Jesus. And they're revering God in holiness. And if we want to be God's people, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to feel sorry. For people who are older and have been saved for umpteen years and who are looking for someone to like them. <laughs> I don't want to be your daddy. I don't want to whip out my belt and spank you. Because that's what I would do with my sons. Yes, I spanked. Yes, I used this leather belt that I got on now. And depending on what they did, I gave it to them two or three times and they had to lay across the bed. And if they moved, they got it again and they'll testify to that. Parents, you love your kids. Don't you correct Proverbs, you holy, snotty young parents. You better obey it. You better obey it. Listen to all these psychological snobbery Oprah and whomever else. God has prescribed exactly how He wants His people to be dealt with. All the way down into mom and dad's home. Which means, dad, you're to lead it. You're to lead in it. He says the earth 
is mine. And Moses don't have to ask because he know the Lord is the one that created it. And he is the one who reigns in it. And guess what? Jesus is going to come back and he's going to claim his earth back. And he's going to destroy all the works of wickedness. Not the earth. The earth itself is good. It's good. It's good because God made it. But He's going to destroy all the works of sin, hell, and the death. All stealing robbers, whoremongers, fornicating, living adulterers. That you don't believe me, read Revelation 21. He says it. Just straighten you up right away. Listen, for you that struggle with lying, Satan's the father of lies. Dipstick thought he could overthrow God. He got his. He's been spinning out of control ever since. And guess what? He's going to get condemned for eternity. And it's not going to be much of a fight. God's going to look at him. He's going to judge him. And he's going to consign him to hell forever. And whatever you might think hell is, or how the Bible describes it, let's just rest assured in this, it's worse than what your finite mind can bring it. Just as the beauty of the gospel is this, is that heaven and eternity is better than we can imagine. Better. It's better. Why? Because it belongs to God. Belongs to Jesus. John 1 tells us He made it. He says, I've made you a kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests, the priests are to worship the Lord. They're to minister to the people and they're to pray. That's what God's people are to do. They're to worship the Lord. They're to pray. They're not to gossip about people. I've made you a holy nation. A holy nation, what? Because God is holy and God is other. And God distinctly made Israel distinct to Himself because He could rightfully do it as Creator, holiness means to be set apart. Israel was set apart to Yahweh. Now we transition in verse 7 through 25. And I'll, I'll go at this at a fair clip. The holiness of God then is here revealed. You guys know this from other sections in the Bible. You remember this? They all get all upset. Man, we want to hear. We want to. Moses, how come you get to hear God all the time? We want to listen to Him. Oh, yeah? (laughs) So the Lord sends Moses back down in verse 9 to tell the people. Moses gathers all the elders that Pastor Alex preached on last week. He gets all them collected leaders of the nation together. And Moses reports, verse 8, the words of the people to the Lord. Right? There's this this going on here. And then the Lord said to Moses in verse 9, Behold, I'm coming to you. Listen to this. Please listen to this and let your mind concentrate on what's taking place here. And if any of you are sitting there are convicted about your wickedness and sin, please ask for, for God's forgiveness and so your mind can get clear on this text because it is terrifying. It's terrifying. 
provoke the Creator? Are you nuts? That's why Peter cried out on the day of Pentecost, get saved from this perverse, wicked world. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud. And the people may hear when I speak to you, and that when I speak to you, that they'll believe forever. You want to hear from God? Read the Bible. If you want to hear the God out loud, read it out loud. There's God. He's talking. It's the only place He talks. It's the only place He talks. The glory of the Lord to save Israel. That's what He's telling them to do. Remember, we come from that little deceiver, Jacob. He wasn't the hero. Yahweh was the hero. That promised one from the wickedness of Adam and Eve. And God said, hey, listen, I know you've messed this up, but I'm going to promise you I'm going to crush his head. Satan. That deserves a tat. A tat too. And so the glory of the Lord to save Israel is really the story of the Scripture from beginning to end. It's the story of redemption. It's the story of the Bible that God is holy and you better never forget it. So quit snootily looking at other people in self-righteous judgment. Ask God to forgive you of your sin and then please, please care enough to love someone else enough. They're all around you that are going to hell. They're around you. And guess what they need? They need you with words. Words. Gospel bringing life giving words. I pray some of you are committed to get some of these things right. Follow the pattern of Matthew 18. Don't be so immature, wicked-hearted to say, well, that's and sucks. Said, but I can't tell you who. Satan. So God is holy. And you know what he tells me? Hey, Moses, you tell those people, consecrate themselves. And so they're to take two days of consecrating themselves. That is to make themselves clean. So they will be ready to hear from God. And, and what that means to consecrate is you, you first of all start on the inside right? Because we're not trying to look righteous, we're trying to be righteous. It starts on the inside, and it manifests itself on the outside, and it's not about what you're wearing, or if you came in the building with a hat. It means, literally, don't touch a woman, don't have sex with her. That's what that means, just in case anybody are wondering, no. No, it's not that God's a prude. God designed sex. He designed the intimacy of sex and the enjoyment of pleasure. He's just letting them know. And he gave that within the context of marriage and it's holy and pure and married couples should be having sex because it pleases God. The marriage bed is undefiled. Ladies, quit saying no. Men pursue them in love. You know what the world says? 
The world says, man, don't worry about getting married. Have sex all you want. Have sex all you want. And then when you get married, they say, he's not your soulmate. He's not your soulmate. Don't have sex. And God says, don't have sex. Don't have sex. Don't have sex. And people who live in this way are going to go to hell, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It's not difficult to understand. But get married. Get married young. And when you get married young, have all the sex you want. Because God's not a prude. God's not a prude. Verse 16 to 20 tells him, Hey, you prepare those people, Moses, to meet me. And God comes down with thunder and lightning. And there's a thick cloud that goes all the way around the mountain. And then he's got the trumpeters blasting away with the trumpet. And the people are at the base of the mountain. And they're sitting down there and they're saying, Wow, ain't God cool? No! They're frightened! As we would be. Holy go, Moses, you talk to him. You talk to him. And you let us know what he wants us to do. We want to go back down here. Boy, this is about to get real messed up. We know what Aaron does. He collates you know, because, because no human being's the hero. God's the hero. In case we haven't figured that one out. People are down at the base of the mountain. The mountain is wrapped in smoke. The Lord descends like a fire. The, the, the ESV uses the word kiln. It means like an oven. There's this gigantic oven that descends with a fire and a voice comes out of the fire so thunderously, all of Mount Sinai is shaking. Think about what the day is going to be like when Jesus comes back. No dispensationalist, he's not coming back quietly, and only a few people are hearing. No, he's thundering. Ain't going to be no war. Going to be a domination. Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to take what's his. And all of those that belong to him are going to live with him forever. I oh, wasn't that beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for saving me this worthless piece of trash. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. This scene is terrifying. The trumpets get louder and louder. And Moses speaks. Look at verse 20. Moses, verse 20, And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Wow, Moses. Moses is the mediator of the Old Covenant. God, man, Moses is the mediator, the people. That's the simplicity of the Gospel. You want to learn how to share Jesus? God is holy. We are sinful. Not that we just sin. We are sinners. We were born sinners. That's what we do, and we do it good. Do it good. Even in a redeemed state, we do it good. That's why there's people who steal. And there's people who gossip. And there's husbands that sit idly there and listen to it and don't love their wife enough to correct her 
because she just keeps going. You ever seen that SpongeBob meme? Well, people are devastated and hurt, and they don't care because they're sharing their feelings, and so their lips get like diarrhea. Blah, 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 blah. God answers in a thunder. God warns Moses. He gives them specific instruction. And he tells them if they fail to heed this four times, 12, 21, 22, and 24, he says, I will kill them. I'll kill them. You say, wow, God's uptight. And <laughs> he means business about his word. He's beckoning the people to obey him in genuine repentance, or you will be condemned. So Moses goes as the mediator between God and Israel. Now, let me just give you a few things as we move from shadow to substance. Think about this. Moses ascends on the mountain to God. Then he descends down to the people as the mediator of the Old Covenant. Jesus descends, he condescends to us. And he takes care of sin in one advent and then he ascends. Because Jesus truly is the best leader Jesus is the true Israel. How do we see Jesus in this? I guess I asked myself, how do you not see Jesus in this? Jesus is the glory of God revealed. In Hebrews, it says He contended His life with the contradiction of sinners. That is, think about how holy Jesus is. Just daily, for 33 years, He has to live with pathetic people that sin every day in His sight. James and John, an old, you know, James and John's mom. Hey, could you, could you, could you make my two sons the best in the kingdom? Because they're the best. They're my kids. Would you brag on my kids? As Moses, so Jesus descended to rescue us. Jesus rescued us. How did He do it? He destroyed sin, death, and hell for us. Church, for some of you that may be mad at me, I hope you're not, because I genuinely do love you. If you're wondering how all this goes, this is a McGuire man conversation. I've been having it with them since they were three. Still goes on now in a thread called McGuire man on my phone. I love on them with it because they know I love them. They know I'd die for them just as I knew my dad would die for me. And I went hard at them when they were, you know, kind of flitting away with rebellion. Dad, if you're witnessing rebellion with your kids and you are not pursuing them with a whole heart, you're not understanding Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had an elected group and they were straying along. He says, he said, Father, I'll go save them. I'll go save them. I'll live the life that Exodus 20 prescribes. I'll obey every Ten Commandment, word, thought, and deed. I'll be that sacrifice so that the forgiveness of sin for these people that you selected from eternity past would enjoy you, myself, and the Holy Spirit for all eternity in the future. I'll do that, God. Why? Because the Son loves the Father. <laughs> he loves Him. Oh, thank God He loves Him. And the Son and the Father loves the Son. The Father's not some up. It's such a pathetic view that even Christians are taking. Man, no. The loving Father says, man, I'm going I'm, I'm to get a plan that's going to win this back. And I'll reveal my glory in saving people who don't deserve me. Those of you that are sitting in your seat gripping, Christ destroyed death by death. And until you receive Him by faith, and until you come with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Listen, you die. Religion's not private. That's another world lie. Doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. You're going to die in your sin and you're going to go to hell. That's what's going to happen. We warn you. We warn you because we love you. We love you. Israel, selected by God as a nation, was a mere shadow. You heard from the Scripture reading today. 1 Peter 2.9 But you. He's talking about you. Let's talk about me. We're a chosen race. Chosen by the Father in election, right? I didn't choose him. Man, I know that's true in my case. I was trying to run from him. I was CH's kid. He was the head of the deacon board, and that little, you know, I, I, I didn't want the people to think I was embarrassing him. Man, that hound of heaven trapped me down in a room. He broke through this callous heart. He said, no, you're a part of my race. The race that belongs to Jesus. You're a royal priesthood. And I don't deserve to be royal. Can you see this? This is what God's trying to do. He's trying to reach His powerful arm and save you and change your life. Don't resist Him. God alone is the one that makes us a holy nation. He has made us, the church, a holy nation of nations. Revelation chapter 7. It is a people for God's own possession. He owns me. I'm real comfortable with that, Lord. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what, what little step you want me to make next because I'm not too smart. Arrogant preacher conferences think they're going to... Just the sickening stuff that our country sees in the name of Christianity. The church is a royal priesthood that not only worship Him now, we're going to worship Him forever. We're going to love on each other forever. 
never going to gossip upon one another. We're going to love each other because we're Christ's own possession who bought you by His blood. Death. A cruel suffering. We belong to God. How? By faith. By faith. God is holy. Moses mediates the Lord to Moses and Moses to the people to make yourself clean and do not sin. And sin results in death. And as the result, what does Israel do? They fall into all sorts of captivity because they can't keep the law. But God lets them know, I'm going to send my promise. He's known as the Messiah. He's going to crush the Satan's head at the cross as more of the story is, gets revealed. And Jesus becomes the mediator who obeys Him. And all those who hear the word of the Gospel, understand the components in knowledge, begin in their mind to assent to those things to be true, but trust in Christ alone is safe. If you will repent, you will be received with love. You will be received with love. The King Jesus, who owns the earth, His crown is stained in blood. He bears our sin and clothes us with His righteousness. Wow. You know what saint means? It means holy one. The Catholic Church don't make saints. God makes saints. They're not holy because they're good or they perform a miracle. They're holy because God looks at that child of His, son or daughter, and they've received Jesus by faith, and He says, man, my son paid for them. They're mine. And I will collect them in the end after the judgment. Now listen, if we want to, as we close, obey God in a right way, we're not antinomian. We're not, though legalist, we're also, we don't want to give ourselves the license. We enjoy the benefits of the family relationship that God has made through us through the acts of the Trinity and yes, we humbly obey the duties and receive them and in baby steps obey Him. Marked our lives by the waters of baptism enjoying the sacrament of the Eucharist. Let's pray. Father, now as we go to worship You, Lord, keep in their seats those who have rejected You because coming and participating in this carelessly is only eating and drinking damnation to themselves. You made this table. It's the Lord's table. It's the Lord's supper. It is for those whom you invite, and you invite those who belong to your Son. We pray, though, that as the church enjoys the benefits of this covenant, this new eternal covenant that Jesus forged upon us, 
obtained by his life and the shedding of his blood and the ultimate victory of the cross, which was the resurrection. Bless and strengthen your people. May the table so convict and the word of God so convict those who are close with Jesus to boldly take him by faith. Lord, we're reminded, we are reminded that Paul would confront Felix and Felix would look at Paul on that long road to which Paul would ultimately get his head chopped off and he would say, Felix to Paul, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian and for all we know, Felix died in his sin and is in hell currently. So for those who are enjoying the fellowship of the relationship of those who know Jesus, Lord, prick their hearts. May they see your love and the love of this congregation. And while we cannot save them and we wouldn't try to get in the way of what you're doing, we would humbly step back from the liberty of their conscience. Lord, we compel them with the greatest force that we can. We're begging for them to be converted to Jesus. We pray in His name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.